major. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us live for a Surf and Sales Bonfire session. Uh, we're super excited today because we have the legend himself, Aaron Ross, um, who I think most of us uh, know of. I've gotten to know him over the years and I, I always appreciate time with Aaron, um, who's really helped build the sales career into the sales career in the sales world into what it has become today. So Aaron, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no, I'm happy to be here, Richard. It's been a while and Scott, good to meet you kind of the first time. And hey, everyone. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about building the sales uh, career and into the, what it is today, but it's still kind of often it's very strange to be in the sales world because maybe at least I grew up thinking I'd be like an astronaut or pilot or engineer. And the last thing I ever would have thought I would do or even understood was sales or sales and marketing or sales lead generation. So it's still... Yeah, and we're just a position. I'm here. I, I'm, I, I still believe I'm going to be a professional athlete one day. You know, that's, you know, and, and who, who's to say you're not? <laughs> so, Aaron, you, you know, well, I know curling's coming up in the Winter Olympics, Scott. There you go. <laughs> Poker, <Hey>. curling. <laughs> uh, so, Aaron, so how did you even get it? I don't even know this part of your story. I know I've, you know, I've read your books and um, obviously let's, Shout out to Predictable Revenue and From Impossible to Inevitable. If you haven't read them, I don't know what you're waiting for. Um, but how'd you even get into sales then? Like, I don't even know that part of that story of you. Yeah, well, I mean, there's two answers because there's the, the professional sales answer, which I wrote about in the Predictable Revenue book, which was uh, had a company and raised money for it back in 99, 2000. And that company went out of business. And one of the reasons was because I didn't know CEO, I didn't know how to build a, a managed sales team. I had a VP of sales, kind of, I would say, abdicated my understanding. I didn't delegate it. And, you know, the company went under. It's like, you know, next time I got to learn how to build a manage a sales team. So that's why I went to Salesforce and, and got a job there. And I would say, one of the things I, I still tell people is don't let your ego get in the way of getting paid, of like basically learning what you need to learn. Because sometimes, a lot of times you just need to be in the, in the trenches doing the dirty work. And for me, that was a job. It was the most junior job at Salesforce, like uh, answer the 800 line and the chance to get paid to learn. At least that's the way I looked at it. Not paid much, but kind of, and so what, then actually learn. What's the professional answer? If you can give it. Oh, uh, well, there wasn't so much of that. It was, you know, even back when I was in, um, in college, I did a college pro painters franchise and I sold ads for the the Stanford newspaper. I didn't even really know what that was. I was selling without really understanding what selling was. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, there's a lot of people who naturally, um, you know, go make things happen through energy and passion and not like a systematic way. And a lot of entrepreneurs are that way. They, you know, they can sell because they're excited and they, they care about it. And that's important. And it's, it's great, but it's different than having like a systematic sales approach to create that predictability. So, you know, you, you just mentioned like having this energy and passion that kind of carries you through. Does anybody still have that passion and energy right now, nine, 10 months into this that, that you had um, at the beginning of the year or maybe in March and April? Or oh, is that really like winding down and, and what are you doing, if anything, to, uh, to combat that? and refine that energy Whew, not even that i mean look i've uh, i'm like nine years into building a huge family so i've got uh -huh. nine kids and four dogs i've been tired for nine 
8.95 years. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever the amount is, right? Just like oh, so tired in emotionally and physically and mentally. And uh, so the pandemic actually for me has been a bit of a break in a lot of ways. Mm. Not totally because, you know, it's always stressful. And like uh, our, we had two teenagers that were under a lot of stress from it. But for a while we, you know, it's a break not having to drive kids, get kids to school every day back and forth. And that's that schools are open now. So that's, um, but you know, like financial, like our business dipped for a while, but now it's come back strong. So I think uh, one thing I've learned is that, at least for me, I, I would love, I used to write when I was inspired and that was before all this. And, you know, that worked for me with predictable revenue. Um, the impossible book I wrote because I had deadlines, I had to do it. Or like I, I created days and I rarely wrote from inspiration. I rarely was inspired. Enough. Oh, I'm going to write that down. It was the reverse, which is I'm going to sit down and write and make stuff happen. And then at that point kind of made the inspiration come during that, during those moments. So I think uh, for me, like learning, I couldn't wait for energy, time, passion, or anything to, to find me. I had to still just make things happen, whether or not I had that. Yeah. I know it's a huge issue, like ginormous percentages of people today are dealing with, again, loneliness and depression and burnout. And I, I feel you. I get that. Yeah. I've, uh, I've, I've, I've never... I never would consider myself somebody who struggles for motivation or passion or anything like that. And I'm hitting it kind of for the first time where I'm like, I really don't feel like doing that much today. And I'm kind of fortunate enough that I, that I don't have to do all, all that much. So I'm just wondering like what advice you might be able to give people to push through, even if people know like, well, I just have to, I have to make things happen but you're kind of struggling to, to find that energy or, or that passion, especially now as we start to move towards the holidays, which are a more stressful time, are a lonelier time. We know that, you know, suicides go up and all sorts of mental health stuff. And now we got to deal with family coming up and traveling potentially during all this to meet up with this family. Or What's not traveling. Yeah. yeah. Feeling guilty are, about that. Yeah, sure. What are some of your, uh, what are some of your tips for that i see the guitar in the background maybe uh yeah maybe music is something that helps you yeah i mean so one one is you know everyone's a bit different and even i see that with myself and my wife are very different kind of like motivation you know uh our teenager you know so everyone's very different you got to find something that works for you i tend to be the type that i feel like there's two kinds of people when there's a lot of stress right there's there's some people that are paralyzed like myself and my teen daughter tend to be that like, okay, I don't do anything. I'm just kind of paralyzed. And my wife, there's the other type, which is kind of the rab, the, I call the rabid chihuahua, which is like my wife, which is like, I'm going to work so much and so fast. I'm not even sure which direction I'm going. So it's kind of like being aware of that. And I know for me, um, I've, I'm good about, I'm good about using deadlines and I call them forcing functions, which I wrote about in the impossible book, like things, I, I burn my bridges. So I have to do them like announcing a book publication date or taking on a new kind of, of client or, you know, um, just like committing to things with other people where I have to show up and do it, whether I feel like it or not. So I, I get at that. One thing I have not been great at, which I've been working on for a while, a long time, is like self-care where like the guitar, which I'm new at, I don't play it very well, but it's fun to do. It's like even maybe five minutes a day 
um, exercise here and there. So my version is the primary, I think, version is every three days I try to get a nap in, like 20 minutes, right? And for me, because I'm usually up until like 11, maybe 12 at night, work, kids, teens, this, that, the other. And then I get up at six for like school prep and things. And my, because my wife is a bit, is ill, has an issue, health issue. Um, and so like a nap kind of saves me. Otherwise, So everyone's a bit different. Like that's number one. Number two is probably exercise. I already eat pretty well. Um, and then the last thing I know, one of the things that gets me through each day is often like I look forward to, I love making, uh, I love coffee. So I have like a, you know, the oat milk barista edition, Oatly. It's amazing. Love it. Just that some instant coffee. That's just like something, the simple thing I look forward to the next day just gets, gets me through that day. If it's one of, if it's a rough one. And a lot of them are, I mean, like big family, lots of stress, either. I mean, whether it's my stress or not, like other people are stressed about everything, colleges, money, health, teenage, this dating. Oh my, it's just like crazy. So uh, you just, sometimes you just gotta, just gotta do it. The one, one more thing is I know my teen, uh, she is, it's really stuck, really procrastinates and really paralyzed. And a lot of that paralysis is just from not doing the stuff she needs to do. It kind of gets all emotionally stuck in her. So some people again work too much too fast and kind of lose direction, and other people just get it. Figure out like where are you stuck? So kind of like self awareness is one of them, and then like working around with your strengths and against your weaknesses to just keep yourself going. How do you how do you coach someone, and whether it's your team? or a co a, one of your coworkers or someone on your team when they get emotionally stuck. Cause I, I see that I have a little bit of that in me. I sort of, I think, I think I have a little, I go a little bit of both ways where I, where I can't remember what you said, sort of the rabbit jumping around. Oh <laughs> yeah. The, the deer in headlights versus the rab, rabid chihuahua. Right. The rabid chihuahua. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm sure we all have elements of them. Yeah. You know, elements and which one's more predominant and there might be more. I just, yeah. Um, when people get emotionally stuck, I mean, I'm probably emotionally stuck a lot. I think all of us are on some version. And I know my in my team, so we have 60 people at Predictable Revenue. And again, I would just guess a third are probably dealing with burnout or depression. I don't know if it's less or more. I'm just kind of saying there's 70%. There's just a lot of people dealing with that. And understandably, again, I've been remote for 10 years, so I haven't had to have as much of an adjustment as people who've been in an office and had to go remote. Um, I got this, you know, same issue. I don't, I, so I think just talking is, is just find people to talk to. It's such a huge step. Um, so whether you're stuck with, I don't want to do with about work or like you just, again, feeling just emotionally shut down or like talking with people always helps a lot. Um, that's like a kind of go-to, like forget like simple stuff and like finding people you can talk to, which sometimes is easy, sometimes is not. I get that. Um, so that's probably one. Uh, and everyone for me, like I like walking a lot. I don't, I don't feel like I have a much of a chance to do it now. And it's probably more feeling because we always have more time. I have more time than I realize. It's like, how do I use it? But it feels challenging to like go out for a walk when I have so many other things. So. That's kind of one of my things, like walking. Yeah, I've tried, to, I've tried to do more walk and talks if it's not a Zoom meeting. 
Walk and talk is good. Yeah. Better than sitting or Zoom if you can. Those kinds of things. Um, and, I, and I've sort of told people, well, can't we do a Zoom? And I'm like, yeah, we don't. everything doesn't need to be a Zoom. Like it doesn't. Like it, certain things should be, but not everything. Um, mm -hmm. So do you, is your whole, so I don't know if everybody knows this. So was it, when did you move? Last year, 2019? Uh, January this year from Los Angeles. I've been there for 10 years to Edinburgh, UK. Right. So right. January, and then all of a sudden the pandemic hits, right? Yeah. So <laughs> happy to be here. It's great. I mean, honestly, it's love the city and we're so busy getting used to everything that right. the not being able to go lots of places doesn't, hasn't really affected us that much. And, and did you pick up the whole crew? Everybody went or are some people still home in the States? Well, we were, we brought five kids over and then two teenagers came over cause they were going to boarding school and, you know, with the pandemic. So now we have seven and there's two 20, 21, 22 year olds at college and LA still at College of Santa Monica. Right. So we got seven. So it's, it's nonstop here. Um, but, you know, a lot of days, honestly, again, I feel like, uh, so I, I don't have time to think, which is sometimes true and sometimes not. I guess it's more of a feeling. Um, it's like, I, I, one thing I'm working on, how do I make better use of moment if I, if I have one minute or five minutes? I'm not good necessarily with those little moments. I, I tend to need bigger chunks for, you know, like sitting and thinking or writing. I don't, I don't write well every day. I just don't. I need like five hours to do like a good writing session. So, um, but yeah, it's been great here. And I think that, sorry, I might be getting off topic, but everyone, um, it's, I don't mean, like there's so much like shit going on in the world and like in teams and like, why can't we just like admit that and that people don't know what's happening and they have no clue and everyone's in the same boat. And, and, you know, it's like, I totally get faking it till you make it. Um, but I think that's partly one reason we also get stuck is like, I need to kind of look good in some way, but I just, I can't be myself. And so I need someone I can talk to, whether it's a spouse or a friend or a therapist where I can just kind of let's just go. I haven't tried it. One other idea, if you, you know, like sat like emotionally triggering movies to like help just bring stuff out. So, so I think I, I think I went veered off topic on that, Richard, but that's all right. Are you, are you somebody who's, who blocks a bunch of time out? You said you need, you know, a chunk of time in order to write, for example. So are, are you with your hectic schedule, somebody who's like, okay, 6am to 8am, I'm doing this and eight to 10, I'm doing that. Or are you kind of firing all over the place at all times? I do. I know my calendar is very key. I set blocks of time out for things. It's often tentative because there's always some, you know, there's always, it's like predictable chaos here between like some, a kid that like cuts a finger or like the car runs out, you know, I don't know, just, uh, there's always every day, there's always something. So my schedule is, can be quite fluid. Um, you know, like yesterday, my wife had a migraine yesterday, right? So I had to kind of drop a bunch of stuff in this morning. So yeah, I do set blocks of time and like bedtime I block out and like writing time. I have some, I have to write some reports for clients this week and I'm, I'm blocking them out and I'd, I'd had blocks, but they didn't work. Cause again, stuff came up. So blocks work for me. There's really four I, I focus on there's like just work blocks. Uh, there's, um, um, it's late here. So basically work time, uh, family time, like I block out mornings, I block out bedtime and school pickups and things very active, um, block out date time, which is not, that's not happening enough here. My wife and me time and doesn't quite happen enough. Yeah. So 
doesn't does it ever happen is the question <laughs> like that's the challenge right yeah it's not enough versus that's, that's does it ever yeah i mean you can't get it you know it's, it's it's a balance i mean it's hard it's hard it's hard being being a human's hard being a parent being an entrepreneur being anything is hard i find i don't know you might be you opinion. you know a lot of people you know a lot of people look up to you and, and respect a lot of your influences but we all know it does take a village right and you've talked a little bit about you know whether it's a therapist or your spouse or a friend you know who are the people you do go to about life questions or work questions like do you have sort of that personal board of directors where you know i'll go to so and so for this and so and so to that um i don't i'm um you know i've got you know, also because the, my life has been so like moving around a lot. A lot of my friends from the past, like I live in the Bay Area, then I moved to LA and from LA to here and still like meeting. There's lots of cool people here. And like therapists, I haven't really, yeah, I don't really, it just kind of depends. So I know a lot of people, but I don't this like right now, besides my family, have a, many people that are like really close to where I can do that if it's, you know, emotional or family stuff sometimes uh and then but like on business side it kind of depends on the topic right we're looking at how to grow our we have a consulting business training business predictable revenue overall is like four probably do four million this year even with covid um and like a little bit less than a million of that is training consulting and we want to like figure out how to, how to grow that part of the business and like i haven't done that kind of business i need to talk to some people who've done that so i'm reaching out to people yeah that, i like, actually I saw know. you I saw you uh, write about this. I think it was this morning, actually. My yeah, time I think like, morning. yeah, said, yeah. Looking for, looking for people who have scaled consulting businesses from 1 million to 10 million. A few, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. anyone knows? I'm like, I don't, yeah. I still have the energy to try to figure it out myself. And I don't think, I, I think that's common right now. And I, and I think that that's one of the reasons why so many conversations like this have been happening all over the place you know, online and on Zoom and all these different micro communities and different events like this, because all of us are in need of help and all of us are in need of, you know, increased communication and like, you know, a sense of community and whatnot. I mean, I've spent time with some folks, more time with some folks on Zoom than I've spent with my friends and family members outside of those who live with me in, in the last year. 100%. And, and I think that's serving, it's serving some of that role, whether it's therapist or a listening ear or, you know, depending on which side of the fence you're on, I guess. Um, have you participated in, in many events or in any of these kind of communities? Or is it something that you're looking at from afar still? Um, more from afar. I mean, I have done lots of speaking and webinars and things. Um, and we, we have some community. I just find like, I, I like people on, I did like an AMA on, and there's a guy named Nathan Latka who had a, you know, he's got a Slack community and that was fun to do, but I have such a big family here. Uh, I'm lucky in the sense that I don't have issues of loneliness, um, you know, or boredom, which I did sometimes. I have the opposite problem. A lot of people where again, and there's gotta be in like between loneliness and boredom and, and other things going on when you're maybe a living alone or with just one person. And so the community thing, I would love to do more of that. I just, in terms of energy and time, it's not there yet. Yeah. I, I believe it. I would love to do like more of a predictable revenue community. We have one, 
Um, yeah, I'm just, but yeah, a lot of my days, I'm just getting through the day, getting between like big family, wife sometimes is not feeling so good and not. And um, a lot like kids, kid, con, con, uh, kid applying to college, like that alone, it's not that much time, but like emotionally, it's a lot, man. But a lot of people, I mean, there's huge change for this world this year. It's like, it's just unbelievable. I think last year, like, could you imagine like, would you have ever thought, I mean, some people said the zombie apocalypse might happen, but then it actually did in its own <laughs> <That's> way. <laughs> and, you know, it's like more disruption, but it's also creating amazing opportunities that aren't even going to be seen by most people for a few years. Like the, you know, who knows, but in a year or five years, people look back and like, wow, that like shifted, just, you know, people's lives in a lot of like, of course, painful ways, but for a lot of people in businesses, it'll catapult them on a new tra trajectory. Definitely accelerated a yeah. lot of things. Um, I think this is a good segue. I know Eric, um, and I hope I don't mispronounce it, David Eck has a question for you. So we're going to let Eric jump on and, and ask you. Hey, that was perfect pronunciation. Perfect. Um, hey, Aaron, thanks for, for being here, man. And uh, Sharon, I, I got to tell you, um, before I ask the question, since I'm on my unmuted. Uh, so I lived in Iceland for a while, and um, I'm hearing echoes you know, in your voice of what I felt when I lived there, you know, it was like pre pandemic living. It was pandemic living before the pandemic, you know, you, you get so insulated and your immediate surroundings become your world because, you know, everything's kind of unfamiliar. Um, and it's, I found it to be very dangerous for me, for me personally, you know, it, it caused me to, to really kind of contract. So Hopefully you can avoid that. Um, I would suggest surfing or Brazilian jiu-jitsu, one of the two. Um, I'm, my plan is to find some clay shooting. I love that, shooting. That, that works too. See, so Iceland nice. can have guns. That's the problem. Um, well, anyway, uh, so back to the question. I, I'm curious, in the beginning, you were kind of talking about building sales systems. Um, and I'm curious if you're building from the ground up, you know, what... Um, metrics would you be looking at first what would you be trying to to track or what parameters would you put in place as kind of a first measure yeah well i mean a lot of times the first thing i look at is um it's kind of like these three big lenses i started to look at more for a company and like again i mentioned one of these reports i'm, I'm it's the same thing which is if you have leads you know can you measure the effectiveness of the leads kind of per channel or per type from creation through pipeline or at least revenue, hopefully. All right. So how much of what kinds of leads are coming in and how well do they perform through your, you know, all the way through your funnel as much as you can. That's one direction. It's like front to back in a way. Another view is, okay, if all the opportunities created, you know, then what, what happens to them? So it's a little towards the middle, like middle to the end. Uh, and then the reverse way, which is, okay, can you look at all the revenue you've sourced, sorry, all the revenue, you've, you know, you're, you're closing at some time period and see where did that come from? And most companies can't see those because, and there's all sorts of reasons. That's fine. But that's kind of where I'd start, which is how well do you understand what's driving your revenue, where it comes from or not? So lead generation is part of that segmenting, kind of understanding the types of revenue you have is another and, you know, having your systems and process tied together just to have more clarity and like well, what's working so I know what to try, what levers to try to move or pull or what's, what's missing. That's where I'd start. 
Yeah. That's really cool. And, and I love the fact too, that you're, you're also living it, right? You're like, Hey, what are our buckets yeah, of I mean, business? I got a, I got a business and, and we don't even, we don't even do that very well sometimes, but so the other, other thing I, I'm thinking about this a lot because I'm, I, in my mind, I'm working on this thing and this, I'm not saying fast, it could be slow as I call it a sales operating system. And uh, it's like a lot of times we forget, and I'm trying to like this one image, how simple it is. We're just looking at like what inputs are going into kind of the processes and outputs. And sometimes it's like all the fanciness and stuff, like maybe there's all the systems we forget to stop and look at, like in a marketing team, you know, what's going in marketing funnel, what's going out. Like just kind of taking like a simple, like how do we try to simplify this? And it can get really complicated in bigger companies, but it doesn't happen. It doesn't not, you know, do something another reports like with Cisco, a, a division. And um, this that's amazing at how the bigger you get, the harder it is to get accurate data in a way too. So every company struggles with this and it's always changing, but it's like, it's just getting a handle on kind of like what kind of what's coming in, what's driving revenue. And do I have a sense of kind of the steps and symmetrics in between? Thank you for sharing that. I love I love the image. Um, you're very well known for your handwritten yeah. drawings uh, for everything you do. Uh, I know Terry Turner has a has a question for you that I thought was pretty interesting because I don't know the answer, um, but I am curious to. Hey, it Aaron. Sure. Thanks, Serena, and I appreciate your time. My question yeah, is: Do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert, and how does that play into your mental health and the mental health of your employees? Uh, more definitely introvert. And that's what the Myers-Briggs always tested me as kind of forced extrovert. Um, I wouldn't say unwilling extrovert, but, you know, developed extroversion maybe as a skill, necessary skill, like set, like sales. I knocked on doors for the college when I did this, the painting thing in college, you know, I was not literally knocking on doors for door sales. Um, so I find I do need to, um, kind of push myself to reach out to people because my, my natural inclination is to not reach out to people, whether to say hi, or it's just kind of to, to be and, and um, but like to remind myself, I got to reach out to people, check on them, say hi, how they doing, or whether it's on my team, family, friends, it takes, uh, it takes, it takes energy to go, well, I got to go do that. How do you, how do you manage a life of seven kids? Like, how do you, like, is there a plan? And then, okay, we got a plan for tomorrow. And by 8 a.m. it's blown up. Like, is it like that? I mean, or do you actually have a, a, a decent plan then that works? Well, there's always a plan. So for example, the schedule is probably the one of the worst parts about a big family in terms of, um, it's not even that complicated. It's, um, like who's going to school what time and who's doing pickups and is there like a ballet class or is there a doctor's appointment? So that's like a never ending reshuffling of things, which is and probably the least favorite part, one of the least favorite parts of this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, sometimes there's, yeah, you said things blow up like this morning, you know, but at least my wife is doing better now, but this morning she wasn't. So I got all the kids ready. Uh, oh, there's five younger, four younger ones who need help you know, or driving and there's, you know, um, it's just being able to be adapt on the fly. It's like trying to, trying to create schedules, including teenage chore schedules that kind of work for people. And, and then there's a comp system too, because if they do like, a, you know, they want to earn some extra money, they can do their regular chore hour, then do like an extra one. So 
yeah it's just like schedules is really and then if we get the schedules right can you share that compensation schedule because i think every parent would want that so yeah you could you could put that you should make that an ebook and you could probably charge 100 bucks a head you know for that download Uh, oh it changes well we don't do much allowance so they have to kind of earn mostly mostly earn what they need but the, yeah, it's a whole other story. And there are very thing is that everyone's very different. Every kid's different. So you have something that works for one kid and just like, it's, it's literally like predictable chaos every day of this family, right? That's the you title know, of your, that's the title of your next book right there. You can yeah, that'd be the parenting book. Yeah. Unpredictable yeah. parenting. But you know, I guess why I look at, you know, all the, I think there's, two, I know is there's two kinds of, of parent bloggers. There's like the, the ones who talk about like the perfect, this stuff, the other, the perfect, you know, how you, you do homeschooling and how you can, you know, make perfect lunches and stuff, which great. I'm by homeschooling. Um, and then there's like the snarky parents who make fun of everything. How every, and I don't really, that neither one's really, I don't know how many people here are parents. Yeah. So I don't know, like some, both are entertaining in their way. There's like the Martha, the Martha Stewart, like perfection that you can't actually ever do. And then there's like the, the laugh at your own, like poop stains on the walls stuff, but it's like too extreme. And there's not like, I don't know if I found like, like a reality of, of parenting what it's really like, but I don't know. It's been so long now. I, I don't remember what it's like to not be a parent, but yeah, it's, there's not uh, it's, it's like every day is a new day and trying to figure there's some new problem to figure out just like being an entrepreneur. What, what are you, what age ranges are your kids? The youngest is three and a half uh, and oldest is 22. So, so you run the gambit yeah the younger was three yeah in february we'll have basically they'll be uh four the youngest one's four five six uh nine and eleven so it's a little more i mean when three two or three years ago when we had like a newborn and one-year-old that was just brutal i was i mean i don't even remember those years it's like twins so and half the kids are adopted which is um so yeah, I, I was just, but I would say, you know, even though it's like, it's a blur and it was uh, very physically challenging too. And emotionally just the, the nonstop of like surviving day to day with lots of the young kids who just need a lot of help. And, and we had nannies, but still, um, you know, it's worth, it. it's like an amazing family. And it's been a lot of blood, sweat and tears and, you know, tons of laughter and everything else. And it's like, it's, if I had known what it would be like, I wouldn't have done it, but I'm glad. I'm so glad that I got through it so far. And I'm sure I would say the same thing if I knew what 10 years from now would look like. So if I knew what the next 10 years would be like, there's no fucking way I'm doing that. Right. So it's better just to not know. I'm just not even going to, I'm not going to know. I'll just day by day. How, how many stitches does it mean before it's an emergency? Right. Like at this point. <laughs> yeah. There's some blood. Yeah. You know, it does give you some perspective on, um, you know, when you have more problems all the time and you're like, all right, what are, okay. So you, you hurt your finger. I mean, this has, hasn't been an emergency room visit for a couple months, but then you know, like there's, we've had, there's like depression in one side. There's one child we adopted who has something called arthropoposis, which is elbows and knees don't bend very well. I mean, you, that side, you, this depression and some, you know, even worse, uh, stuff there with the pandemic and changes was, was really hard. That was scary. But the, like, you know, when you have physical disabilities, you're like, eh, get used to it. And like, so yeah, there's, there's a bit of a, I don't want to say numbing, but 
you know, problems aren't as, as urgent. And so it's a little bit more of like, is this actually urgent? And I just need to listen more carefully or is this person just whining and kind of get over it? Whether it's a teen, honestly a teenager who they fucking whine the most uh, or little kids, but how yeah. Did, how did you, I'm just curious, you know, at what age, cause you do have this, this broad spectrum. At what age did the kids recognize this pandemic thing was going on and, and how did you explain it to them? You know, is it, is it, Hey, let's, we need to have a big family meeting and explain yeah. this or, and then you have sub meetings, you know, you have to reserve conference rooms in your house. No. Yeah. It's mostly the teenagers because the younger ones don't really understand. I mean, I don't think they really understand again. They, you know, they hear it. Um, it and their day to day, they're like home from school for a while. So like, uh, and the college kids knew it and they had the, they had less disruption. So there's more of the teenagers that had a, they had the major disruption because they were at boarding school in the States and they had to come back here to Edinburgh. And that was a whole traumatic between like, they have clothes still out there because, you know, one was here from spring break and couldn't go back basically. Uh, so there's, that was really hard on them a lot of, uh, of talking, still going through it, honestly, kind of, let's say the, like the grieving process is senior. So that was hard. Most of the kids are, don't really care. The, the teenage, the college kids are struggling, you know, like everyone with like the virtual schooling. I mean, I mean how many hours on zoom? I mean, you know, you, you, everyone gets tired of it. So that's a struggle, but yeah, it's a teenagers. That was, that was really hard. Still is, still is. You talked about the um, changing topics here on you, but you talked about how you dipped initially and it's kind of business is picking back up. Yeah. What do you, do you credit yourself and your team for the, the recovery or is it just more um, of kind of the reopening, if you will, or, or the market kind of adjusting and realizing, Hey, this is where we are now. We need to do business. Or is there some, some strategies that you guys, uh, you know, deployed that have worked really well to bring. Um, yeah. You know, I don't, it's, I, I can't point to say there's one thing we did like everyone else. We, you know, reduced burn. We didn't lay anyone off, but we, we, we cut salaries. So we didn't have to lay anyone off. So we reduced cash. We, you know, adjusted offerings. We did all the, you know, regular stuff. We looked at which customers should we kind of really focus on which ones to let go. And so like everyone else, like uh, April, April, May, there's the two or three months of just like nothing that the panic time. Right. And then, you know, eh, a little bit here and there for a few months. And then last month, uh, October was probably our best month ever wow. in kind of a, in kind of a way of like, how are we going to deliver some of this? So we have SDRs as a service, like an outsourcing side, and we've got the consulting training. So, you know, we'll see how this month is. I don't necessarily think it was, I think it was, you know, I can't say anything other than working together as a team to do our best to kind of adapt and like figure out what, what do people need? How can we help them? How can we help ourselves? Um, so how do you just kind you, of trusting that go, things we How do you go about trying to figure out how to forecast and plan for 2021 and beyond? Uh, given yeah, that that's none a, of us know what we're doing and, and, there's probably people on this call right now and plenty of people who are being asked to do just that who are in sales leadership roles or entrepreneurial roles. Yeah. 
Well, first, I should mention that even in, in February, uh, March, when this started, what I told my team, and I tell people in webinars was, look, it's going to be like, this will be a something where if you kind of like embrace it and you dive into the changes you need to make in investments as a person or company, you're going to come out on the other side in a, in a better place. It may not be the same job, like, and it may not be the same company, but you kind of, you got to embrace the shit and just adapt as you can and realize it's going to take a lot of steps and it might even be another couple of years or who know, you don't, you can't sit, you can't predict how long it's going to take to come to the other side of whatever your other, whatever that looks like for you. So I think us, that was really just continuing to take steps and just trusting that if we're doing the right things for our team and our customers and making improvements, like it'll, things will work out the right way. So that's the early signs of that. And then, um, in forecasting, I don't, so there's some companies that are, you know, you just, you have confidence because with your market and what you're doing, you're going to have predictability. Like if you're in telemedicine or certain, certain space e-commerce, you know, you're, you got a tailwind or great. You can do your forecasts and you're, and then there's a lot of companies, if you're still struggling month to month and quarter to quarter, because you're in a challenged market, you can't really forecast. Uh, you can scenario plan, pick one as a for, as a hope forecast. So it kind of is like gauging, all right, are you in a, how, what's your risk, the market and segment you're in with what you're selling, you know, how, how confident can you be? Like, there's going to be surprises next year. Okay. Vaccine, maybe, maybe not. Um, mutation who knows like you just you don't know so, so how, how do you distinguish between the forecast and the scenario plan as you mentioned well it kind of depends on who you need to do it for for investors like if it's different if you're a public company that's a whole nother story well, most people most people here or, or listening probably are thinking about it in the context of for their boss right yeah. so think about people who are heads of sales for example or even reps who are trying to forecast for their boss who's the vp of sales yeah. Well, it's always this dance around. You kind of know it, there's, there's the forecast where you are supposed to come to some number and you're kind of expected to do that. And then you can justify that and you're trying to figure out how to do that. And there's a different forecast, which is you're actually trying to really figure out what's possible. Um, and so like everyone else, you just got to look at here's, it's this, here's what I think is like a, a base case here's what if things go really bad and things go really well and you kind of stick with the base case and realize that no matter what the forecast is is going to be wrong and <laughs> that's I think, that's my favorite quote maybe ever of all time <laughs> <laughs> whatever the forecast is just understand it's going to be wrong <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean what i what we did with our company is um you know you just I'd probably just pick a number like 20% higher than what we're doing now. And it's kind of like top down bottoms up. So I don't know. It's like an art. It's, it's like, again, if you're in a smaller company where you really are doing more art, the bigger you get and the more data you have, the more you can uh, forecast for real. And then yet, you know, can't, you can't assume that's going to, it's going to happen. You got to be prepared for, for surprises next year. So I don't have, honestly have a, a lot of confidence I can give you some sense on forecasting, except to realize that set expectations that you kind of gauge where you are is like, uh, do people, can you set expectations of the people you're doing the forecast for and like how, I don't know, like if they, 
it's just, we don't know what's going to happen in the next year or two. You know, like it's crazy to think people can actually predict stuff. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. Cause I've, I've been saying all along that everybody's got to do a whole new product market fit every 90 days. Yeah. I mean, just and, basically, you know, that's, and, and figuring out what that is. So, Could be. Uh, but I know Josh Wagner's got a question. So Josh, come on and, and, you know, ask Aaron your yeah, it's along that same vein, actually, where we're seeing enterprise organizations that are unwilling to budget, willing to plan, make decisions beyond 90 days, given the dynamic nature of the economy right now. Do you see that, you know, as you go way back, everything was done in an annual lens. Now it's done in a quarterly lens. You know, are we going to see that we don't see budget planning, go to market plans, things like that look beyond a 90 day window for the foreseeable future? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't heard that as much. Um, I believe it. And I don't know, it's, again, it's kind of these things where the way the world is going is more, uh, more spectrums. So, you know, let's use the gender example where X years ago you had male, female, and now you have a whole spectrum. And then last year we had either basically work at home or work from an office. Now we've got a spectrum. We're heading to a spectrum where once things loosen up, do you want to work at home 80% or 40% or 10%, right? And so for budgeting and for a lot of other areas, we're kind of looking at, there's going to be more of a spectrum of the way businesses are going to handle things just because there's more shit going on in the world. So yeah, some companies might stick to annual, some might go to quarterly and you got to kind of be like, whatever they're doing, be prepared to adapt to, you know, find out how, how are you going to work with either one? Because it's not like all companies are going to 90 days and all companies are not going to stay at annual. You can have both. And some might end up going 180 days or some might do 45 days. And so like, how are you going to like be prepared to like, we're just going to more the way the direction of the whole world is just more variety in general. That's just technology and everything else is driving everything that way. So this is just one example of it. The way people budget and plan and work is going to be in a lot of ways is going to be more types yeah, I, I think we were we were talking um, with a friend of ours the other day on on another one of these, and he was he was saying, you know, there is sort of you know your best case scenario, your reality, and if COVID never goes away, like you're almost putting together three annual plans, which is crazy. Um, I've talked to people too, Joss, and and I've heard the we're making an annual plan, but we're making decisions every ninety days. Right. And sort of that's where, cause I don't think they can I get that. You're like adjusting as you I don't know. That can, yeah. I don't know that you could do a year and not, or you can only do 90 days and then have to redo it in 90 days. I mean, you can, as long as you have a baseline is what I'm yeah. seeing. So um, I do think the decision-making process, you're going to have added layers and I think you're going to have higher layers to get stuff approved because it really is going to be a true cash flow project decision. Um, It'll be interesting to see to see how all that plays off plays out. So, um, Aaron, with with your team, like, is everybody remote? Have they always been remote? Has predictable revenue always no, been most remote? of the team was in person. We had two main hubs: uh, one in Vancouver, Canada, and one in Cancun, Mexico. And there's a, a handful of people remote. So I think for a lot of people, it was hard. Is hard going from office, primarily office, to remote. Uh, I feel like a lot of people have adjusted by you know anecdotally a few people said you know it was and now they've kind of got their rhythms down so uh are you hiring in the cancun office yes i think people want to know yeah 
Well, actually, honestly, if we if we were hiring anywhere, um, Canada, states, Mexico, public anywhere for SDRs for our SDRs as a service team, I don't remember offhand what the comp is. It's not going to be like states full on U.S. Uh, United States comp, but yeah. How did you choose? Can- like Cancun is not a place. I mean, was it a lifestyle decision by by the partners or or you, yeah. or was it like, oh, there's this tap of talent that we didn't realize was here. Let's go do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember exactly what that was. We we knew someone in Mexico in a different city, and so we looked at some different areas, and it turned out Cancun. I think too because there's a lot of hospitality industry so language you know language plus people who've done some kind of sales i don't remember exactly honestly at this point it's 18 months ago and then we have a little office in merida so you know the nice thing is like the hard part about the everyone virtual is it does put a load there's a lot of people it puts a, an emotional load on and there's um for me it actually was better because for me the beating the team and the whole team is more democratized before I was remote, but everyone in offices just kind of tended to like sync up with people in offices. And there really wasn't much leftover kind of communication for people. Like it was, it took so much work to get like, you know, when I'm remote and everyone else is not, it's a pain in the ass. It's so hard with everyone remote. It's, there's a lot of advantages in a management communication wise. It's like, there's lots of pros and lots of cons. What, what do you find is the advantages? Uh, first, that we have a lot more, again, democratization of like uh, just meeting people, no matter where you are, like communication across people. It wasn't just like the Vancouver team meeting. I mean, honestly, like there'd be like the sales team in one office and like the support team in a different office. They wouldn't see as much like physically, you get like physical clicks. So the remote kind of blew that up. That's one. And, you know, frees up a lot of the hiring issues in terms of like location-based sourcing. Um, those are the do two you, main ones. Do you think you'll ever go back to a, a real office environment with your teams? Or do you think, no, now that we've got this dialed in, we're going to stick with it? Uh, I think we've been primarily virtual. And I, what I believe is we'd have some, some hub co- workspaces for people who do want to go into an office and work with others, but not require it. And... And do you think it's because it's an economic decision of, hey, it's less expensive in terms of overhead, or we can find equally good talent in different locations. We don't have to you know, be in the LA area or the Bay area and those kinds of things, or is it everything? Yeah. It's kind of everything. I think a lot of people just like a little more of the flexibility and freedom from not being you know, the FaceTime. Um, of course, a lot of people really miss that and need that. So I want to recognize that. Uh, I miss not having a team to go into. I haven't had that for years. I haven't lived close enough to uh, like a work um, co-working space, so yeah, we save some money, but that's not the the main reason. It's the more flexibility for people to like have their schedules work around it. There's a lot of it. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we got one more question for you, but before we do that, we need to obviously give a shout out. Thank you, Aaron, for coming and to Predictable Revenue for sort of sponsoring this, as well as Findem and Vidyard and Perception Predict and Gong and Lead411, all of our sponsors. But Aaron, our, you know, we always sort of end this by saying, well, what can we do for you? You know, you've got, whether it's Scott and I, you want to ask us a question or you've got a, you know, you got a group of people, you want to ask them something, you know, what, any, any questions we can answer for you? Um, sure. I mean, since yes, so I still, if you haven't read or told people to read the Impossible to Inevitable book, 
this is still, I, I, I still, especially this year, keep going back to this. This is really like the right, this is the book of the, even more than predictable revenue, mm. the book to read and book to, to adapt with. So if you haven't read it, read it. If you have friends who have businesses or want to be successful, it's really like a growth Bible, not a sales book. Uh, Christmas coming up. So that's what, that'd be my ask is to spread the word. Cause like I, I know like businesses has helped save businesses and grow businesses and, and jobs. So it's been out, it got updated the last year. Uh, you can find it. There's a, a, a free chapter and stuff in from impossible.com. So cool. that would be, that'd be my main ask. And I think just be patient separately. Just if you have a team and people just, you know, be patient with them, find ways to help people kind of open up and talk about just stuff that's going on. That may not be work. Like, I think that's also an important thing is it's easy to have relationships feel two dimensional when you're just on the zoom, it's just work and not, and you don't have like time aside to talk about non-work and kind of like keep that relationship building going. It's harder. It's not hard. It's just different when it's all virtual. You're not kind of there in person yeah. and not to forget that. That's good advice to, to wrap with right there. Thanks. So, thanks so much, Aaron, for spending some time with us and thanks for everybody uh, who joined us today. Yeah, we really appreciate it, everybody. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah. Bye. Bye.